this week we've been meditating a little on martyrdom actually as, as the, the liturgy has provided for us. We've had the Feast of the Irish Martyrs on the 20th and uh, then uh, John Fisher and Thomas More then yesterday. So the, this idea of uh, giving one's life for Christ um, has been, as I say, presented to us by the liturgical calendar. It reminded me of something that I, I saw in the English College. The English College has uh, an admissions book, a very, very old admissions book. Well, the, the original one obviously has been is now, is now preserved, but it's called the Liber Ruber, right? So the, the, the red book, Liber Ruber. And it's so-called because it's, uh, it's red. And uh, the seminarians would come, and as they would enter the English college, they would sign it, right? The reason this particular, that particular volume, that particular red book, is, is prized uh, by the English college staff and by, the, by English Catholics in general is because the first 44 seminarians who wrote their names down were all martyred. When they came back to England, all of them died. All of them gave their lives for Christ in England. So it was an, there was an understanding there. There was an understanding that if you went to the English college, this is in the early days, if you went to the, after the Reformation, if you went to the English college to study, that being ordained, you would be sent back to England. So they didn't go to English College in, order to, in Rome in order to escape from England. They went there in order to be formed uh, as Catholic priests in order to be sent back to England. So there was a, an acknowledgement that what I'm doing here may well end in death. It may well end in imprisonment. It may well end in, as, as St. Paul mentions in, in the reading today as well, all sorts of not so much shipwreck and getting beaten by sticks, but possibly, possibly, uh, and fear and danger and violence and oppression and all of that would quite possibly await those who completed their studies in the English College in Rome. So putting your name down was momentous. Incidentally, the English College is also, uh, the walls are decked with images of hanging, drawing and quartering. So when you went in and you signed up and you looked around, you knew what was a possibility. In fact, maybe in some instances, a probability. And they did it anyway. And they did it anyway. They put their names down anyway. They did their studies anyway. And they were sent back to England regardless of that danger, regardless of, of uh, what could or what did await them. So I, I'm just always such, I'm always full of such admiration when I see people like that. Because whatever about something being painful and difficult, if, if you have the option beforehand of avoiding all that pain and difficulty, you know what I mean? If you know that this could be life-threatening, surely in advance you'd say, well, maybe then I won't go that path. I'll, I'll go somewhere easier. You know, I'll go to, I don't know, I'll go, go be a Catholic priest in Italy or Spain or somewhere where there wasn't such persecution. Uh, but they signed up knowing exactly where it was going to lead. I just have, I think that's, that's just absolutely, phenomenally beautiful. But in the eyes of the world, their imprisonment or their beating or even their death looks like victory. It looks like the enemy has won. It looks like all has been lost. It looks like all of their efforts and all of their prayer and all of their formation and all of their time in Rome, all of that has now come to a very blunt or maybe bloody end. So what was the point of it all? It's very, very interesting Like when we look at how the world perceives victory and loss and how God sees it. 
Our reading today finishes with this, this beautiful line from, from Paul, his second letter to the Corinthians, where he says, If I am to boast, let me boast of my own feebleness. Let me boast of my own weakness. Now, you might think of, of, of that line and think, well, sure, hold on. <laughs> how, can we, how can we serve God or how can we do anything for God if we're weak? Right? How can we, a kingdom needs to be built up here? We need uh, churches, we need parishes, we need, we need uh, people to be converted, we need people who know what they're doing, we need people who can lead, we need people who can actually drive the church forward, okay? We don't need weakness, we need strength. And the more strength we have, surely the more success we're going to have. The more success we have, then the, surely the kingdom gets built up and God's happy. It sounds like a great plan. It's all too human. It's all too human. It's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. Now, boasting about our feebleness, boasting about our weakness, does not mean we boast about our sinfulness. That's a different thing. Okay? Sinfulness always, we have to strive against our sinfulness, strive to, to overcome it, strive for, for, for virtue. Can't say, oh well, got drunk again, there you go, here's my weakness. Uh, that's not the way it works. But our, our feebleness, our weakness, in a way can be used to become one of our greatest strengths. Okay, so I think we need to understand better, maybe more clearly, what it means, what this feebleness or weakness is. What this feebleness or weakness is, isn't sinfulness, because that would be bad. We can never boast about our, our sinfulness, or that can never be encouraged. It can be understood, but not excused. Um, so what are we talking about? This recognition that without God, I am nothing. The recognition that without God, I am nothing. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a really, really important thing, especially as a missionary, especially as a priest. Even as a mother and father, I think pretty much the same, actually. Without God, I can't do this. Without God, I am nothing. I think that's, like, that's just, so, 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 it, there's such freedom, actually, in that. You think of, of so many of the saints who, in the eyes of the world, were weak, right? St. Thomas Aquinas, who, was, who loved his breakfast and his elevenses and loved dessert, and anything he could get his hands on that wasn't nailed down. And because of this, he was quite huggable. He was a very huggable man. Uh, they called him Dumb Ox. The Dumb Ox. Dumb Thomas Aquinas. Dumb Ox. They had to cut out a little bit of a wedge out of the table so he could fit in. Dumb Ox, they called him. In the eyes of the world, he looked weak. You think of uh, the Curie of Ars, who really st- st- struggled with study, especially with Latin. And a petition was put together by some local clergy saying, this man is not, this priest is not capable of running this parish. He is too stupid. And they got a few people to sign it. One of the signatories was the Curie of Ars himself. He said, yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> put his own name down. I mean, the bishop rejected it. But like, yeah, I'm not super smart. I'm not boasting about my intelligence. If, if God wants me here, then God, then, then God will put me here. You think even of, of those then who maybe were smart or were capable, but were rejected. So many, many founders were rejected by their own communities in their own lifetime. And then afterwards, thankfully, God repaired things through his providence. But uh, so many of the saints appeared weak in the eyes of the world. You know, St. Francis, like, who strips himself of all wealth. Even there was a time when the, 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 the Holy Roman Empire, when that was coming, when that was collapsing, many civil authorities thought if the, if, if, if the Vatican doesn't have, you know, property, if it doesn't have 
civil, any kind of civil credibility, okay, then can it be effective as a church? You know, if, 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 the Vatican has, if the Vatican state, if the Vatican, because it used to own quite, quite a, a portion of, of Italy, if, um, if we lose that, then have we any credibility when negotiating, negotiating like with the, you know, the, 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 the French Empire, the, the English, the German, like these big, important, powerful countries above them, will they have any influence if we're reduced to this small little city, a small little Vatican state? Our influence, our power, never comes from the fact that we're rich or intelligent or handsome or whatever the world says we need to be. Our influence is a moral influence, and that comes from our unity with God, and that comes from our recognition of our need for him. So recognizing our need for God, that weakness, if you will, is our greatest strength. It is our greatest strength. My goodness, if you ever charge into a parish or into a mission or into a youth group saying, that's it, we're going to renew all of this now, and it's going to, I've got loads of ideas and I've studied and I'm really smart. Um, <laughs> my best of luck. My goodness, that's just not going to work. That's not the way it works. Whereas if we head into any missionary activity, anything that's entrusted with our family life for that matter, and say, Lord this won't always be easy and I'm not perfect you make up for everything I lack you like you guide things you inspire you lead I serve and as I say there's actually that that's not a bad thing that that's just something so freeing in recognizing the greatness of God and my own littleness and that way the success or failure doesn't depend on my awesomeness. The success or failure of a mission all depends on him. And another advantage of that is that when, if and when things go well, all glory be to God. All glory be to God. Because you know in your heart of hearts that it wasn't you because you know you're weak. So all glory to God. That's a great way to live. In our gospel the lord mentions he gives us a, it's a beautiful image which i think we have we've seen hopefully in our own lives the lamp of the body is the eye it follows that if your eye is sound your whole body will be filled with light have you ever met someone who's deeply united with the lord someone who who has a a profound unity with the lord and it's something i i'm i don't watch tv so i watch people instead not in a weird way but it's just it's i find people very interesting you're just watching people's behavior. Now, not, again, not in a weird way, but like, you know, just observant. Okay. Uh, but if you've ever met someone who's really united with the Lord and you see their eyes, there's something special about someone who knows the Lord. There is a kind of a, I don't know how to describe it really. Well, as the, as the gospel says, it's like a light emanates from them, especially from their eyes. Conversely, if someone is in pain, if someone is, in, if someone is in, in going through great difficulty, if someone is in going through great loss, they probably walk the same, they talk the same, but you look into their eyes and you can see there's something, there's a sadness there. So it's, it's like, how did they say, that the, the, the eyes are the windows of the soul. I would hope that each of us wants to be so filled with the Lord that when people meet us, 
they go away thinking, isn't God so good? Or they meet us, but they go away thinking, isn't God so great? Isn't God so generous? Isn't God so merciful? That they meet us, but through us, they meet him. We need to get out of the way and our weaknesses remind us, our fragility reminds us that we need to hold on to him. And then we're ready to be priests, missionaries, mothers, fathers, whatever the Lord is calling us to. But our weakness is not the obstacle. In fact, our abilities may well become the obstacle. The success of any mission depends on the Lord. And so as we think of our martyrs this week, the Irish martyrs, John Fisher and Thomas Moore as well. We think of the 44 seminarians in the English College putting their names down on the Lieber Ruber, knowing that they were probably signing their, their lives away, come back and are martyred, all for love of Christ. All looks like a failure in the eyes of the world. But they all won the crown of martyrdom. They all intercede for us here on earth. And the blood of martyrs became the seed of Christians. So we ask the Lord Jesus to strengthen each one of us as we approach the end of our year here in Holy Family. And our goal here wasn't just to give you a year of carting and slip slide and trips to the north of Ireland and airsofting and pillow fights and whatever else you do in the evening, I don't know. Uh, that, while that's all important, our goal was to form you into missionaries, to give you missionary hearts, that you will share this gift of faith with others. And this is only possible, this will only be in any way successful due to our unity with him, the recognition of our weakness causing us to lean on him, grab on to him, draw from him. He is the source. To him be all the glory. Amen.